Hey, welcome to TBT's podcast. I'm Dan Friel. On this edition of TBT's podcast, you're going to hear interviews that Josh Brown has done with LD Williams of Wake the Nation, the Wake Forest alumni team, Melvin Johnson from Ram Nation, which is the VCU alumni team, and Sean Marshall of Team Challenge ALS. All three of these guys will be in action this weekend from the South Regional in Richmond, Virginia, and the West Regional from Los Angeles. Remember that you can catch TBT all summer on the ESPN family of networks, including this weekend's regional action on the Watch ESPN. ESPN app. Be sure to tune in. Enjoy these interviews, and we'll be back again later this week with more content and previews of the West and the South regionals in TBT 2018. Enjoy. Now we're excited to welcome on L.D. Williams. He will be playing for Wake the Nation, the Wake Forest alumni team in the South Regional coming up at the Siegel Center at Virginia Commonwealth University. Uh, L.D., how you doing? I'm doing well, man. Just catching up on some summer league hoops. How much do you pay attention to that? I mean, I'm a big summer league fan, and I know a lot of people watch it, but someone in your position, how much do you pay attention to kind of everything going on in the NBA? Uh, I'm I'm a basketball junkie, man. So if there's basketball on, I'm watching it from AAU games. I know they play those sometimes in the summer to WNBA, the Summer League, Women's College. If it's on TV, I'm locked in. Well, because I noticed that you were um, following TBT pretty closely last weekend when we were at the Big East Pod and the Hoop Fest. You know, and it kind of goes along with what you were saying there. What do you think of the competition both in uh, Spokane, uh, in Spokane, excuse me, and out in Marquette? Yeah, it was it was good, man. It was good. I was um, it was a little because this year since I'm playing, it's a little more. I'm a little more attentive um, to, to what's going on around the TBT. So, no, they look good, man. They look good. Guys are out there competing. You know, it, it doesn't take much to uh, to get guys who are competitive to compete. So, when you when you add two million to the uh, to the stakes, it, you know, it's guys are going to get out there and really and really give it their all. Absolutely. How much did you watch TBT before this year? You said you were paying a little bit more attention now, but how much did you watch it and kind of what made you decide to jump in? Obviously, forming the Wake Forest team helped, but uh, why did you ultimately decide to, to play this year? Um, so I watched it at least in the final four of the last two years to watch um, overseas elite, um, you know, do what they did. And I had a couple of friends playing in it over the last couple of years and we actually, I was actually on the team that get it that didn't get voted in two summers ago. Which, um, which team was that? So that? Oh man, what team was it? It was Jordan Norwood's team. I forget what yeah. we were called. But yeah, so we didn't get voted in. So I was obviously, you know, just intrigued by it ever since. And then to be able to have Wake Forest in it was just the icing on the cake for me. Um, I'm a, I'm a I'm a weight guy through and through, so to have us be able to represent the university one more time with a group of guys that I think um, did a great job not only while they were at Wake but in their professional careers I think you know it's going to be fun for us to be able to get on the floor together and do our thing. Absolutely. And I'm really, I grew up watching a lot of Wake Forest basketball. I was always a fan. Uh, so I'm really excited as well. And you guys have some really big names on the team, whether it be um, yourself, you have Josh Howard, you have McKee playing. Uh, you can kind of go up and down the roster. And uh, what do you think Wake fans can kind of expect guys who either haven't played together in a long time or maybe never even played together, kind of getting back together? What kind of style can we expect? What can we kind of um, look forward to seeing from you guys? 
man, we're going to guard and we're going to try to score as much as we can. Um, get up a lot of shots. Hopefully make a lot of shots. <laughs> um, we, I've, I mean, that's what, that's kind of what this, this thing is about. Um, if you get stops and make, make threes, you get, you set yourself up in a good position to get wins. Uh, um, say Mary's made, I think 19 or 17 threes or something like that against Gonzaga. So, you know, if you get stops and make, and make your good looks, I think you give yourself a chance to win because, you know, it's not a lot of time. And then with the clock going off at four minutes, you know, you lose essentially four minutes of game time to try to get back into the game if you're down. That's I was actually going to ask you about that next because, again, following you on Twitter, it seemed like you were pretty into the Elam ending. You got to see it now play out for the first time. I know in your video you did for us, you were kind of you said you were 50-50 on it. What do you think of it after watching it in action? Um, I'm more I'm, – I'm leaning more towards liking it now. I'd probably say I'm 75 or maybe 60-40 that That's I like it. That's a good it. start. Yeah, yeah, because – um, it's just it's just interesting, you know, when it gets down to that four minutes, what the strategy is about, um, you know, how do you go about it? If you're up, do you foul right away to so, to get the clock off? You know, do you play it out and, and 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 trust the clock? Like, you know, do you try to get free throw shooters on the floor? Do you try to get your do you take your best guys out? Like, it's a, it's a lot of it's a lot of strategy in it now. Um, so it's definitely different. Like I said, I'm a fan, I'm a fan of expanding the game, trying to find different ways to execute, um, this game that we all love and grown to, you know, cherish over the years. So uh, I just, I, I liked it because it, it added a different aspect of suspense to the game. Um, Gonzaga was up against Utah, um, elected not to foul. Utah got back into the game, you know, was within one point of winning, gets a big block, uh, or uh, Gonzaga gets a big block, comes down, gets fouled, Matt Bowden makes two free throws. Like, we've never seen anything like that in basketball. You know, so that was that was pretty cool to see and see how it uh, played out. Absolutely. The one scenario, and you kind of alluded to it, that really interests me is uh, – if you're kind of in that position where maybe you need a bucket to win, the other team needs three to win, you know, what would you do in that situation? Do you foul there to try to prevent the game-winning three, or do you just kind of trust your defense that they're going to get the stop? Yeah, I mean, me personally, I would, I'm a defensive guy, so I trust, I trust, you know, what we can do defensively. But like I said, it just adds a different element to basketball, man. Do you? What do you do? Do you – if you have – a guy that, that that's hot, do you just foul and then give the ball to him and let him rock out? What do you do in that situation? Yeah, and it'll be interesting once we get – we only got a small sample size. Once we get some more uh, beginning next weekend, it'll be really interesting. I know Nick Elam, um, I'm pretty sure he'll be at some of the games. If not, he'll be watching all of them. So that'll be interesting uh, as well. You you mentioned kind of coming together and you being a weight guy through and through. Just take the fans a little bit about how this team came together, who took the lead organizing it, and how easy was it to recruit these guys to come play this year? So there's a couple of different guys actually that that kind of put the bug in our ears, but for the most part, it was myself, Gary Clark, Brooks Godwin, um, Josh Strickland, who actually plays football at Wake. Um, those have been the guys who kind of like spearhead this thing, and then myself, Gary Clark, who's the GM, Mike Laporte, who's our head coach. 
kind of, you know, went out, went on the recruiting trail, if you will, and, you know, sold the guys, you know, we get to play together at, you know, in a wake uniform again, we got a chance to win $2 million. You know, we'll be back on campus. We'll be around the program. You know, it wasn't hard. Those guys um, that we have on the team, you know, feel similarly that, that I, the way that I do about Wake Forest, man. Um, the, most of the guys are from the area. So we're local guys. It wasn't hard to, you, we're not traveling across the country trying to get places to, to find training camp. We're all um, from that area. So even if we're like, I live in Columbus, Ohio, like coming home for a week, you know, that just, that's not too big of an ask. <laughs> so it's, it was just, it wasn't that hard. You know, once we got everybody's info, got everybody's emails and phone numbers and started a group chat, that was, that was probably the hardest part, getting everybody in the same conversation. But other than that, you know, guys were excited about this. That's great. And you guys, this coming week, will be at training camp ahead of the South Regional at VCU. What's kind of the game plan there? Are you guys going to be working on plays from your college days? Is it just going to be gelling together? What's kind of the game plan for the uh, training camp? Yeah, Mike Lepore is a micromanager. So he's um, he's definitely got a playbook offensively, defensively, um, in the game, baseline, sideline. All that stuff, he's got that all mapped out, how we're going to do it. So we'll go over that stuff. And, you know, playing together. None of us have really played together, in, you know, since we've left college. So, you know, that'll be big, just, you know, trying to get some chemistry going into our game on Saturday afternoon. And, uh, yeah, so we'll just get together, go over that stuff, try to play a little bit, get up and down. I know some of the guys from the current team are in summer school, so – you know, we'll be able to feed those guys into some of our practice time and get up and down with those guys in a uh, pickup type setting just to, just to, you know, be on the same team and play together and get up and down and, and do all that fun stuff to try to make, get a little bit of chemistry going into, uh, like I said, into our game. I mean, we're all pros, so we know how to play, but it's just, you know, you just need to get out of the court with those guys and, figure you know where guys spots are for the most part you made an interesting point there with getting some of the current weight guys integrated obviously they're not going to be playing because they're in college but just kind of working out with you guys and we saw that at Marquette last weekend uh in their practice the Golden Eagles team really integrated the current players like they were there every practice they were running together they were working out together how big do you think it is kind of just to build that family environment around Wake Forest to have you know you and a bunch of the other recent alums playing with some of the current players and kind of having everyone in the same mix there no, that's huge. That's huge. I think that's an area that we need to grow in as a Wake Forest basketball community. Um, we don't always do a great job of, you know, getting back on campus. Obviously, Chris comes back. Josh still lives in the area. But, you know, most of us are, are, are you know, scattered across the, the country, across the, the globe, playing and things like that. So it's hard for us to get back. So I think this is an opportunity for us all to be back in one place, and 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 helping those guys grow and we're feeding back into the program you know they see us on campus it's not just you know past people talking about well when these guys were here this is how they work they can actually see the work that we put in and, and, the, and the love and, the, and and things like that that we have for the university so I think it'll be good for both parties we're back you know kind of reminiscing on the things that we did and then they're they're there and they can see you know, the work that we put in. 
That's great. And yeah, like you said, Wake Forest, um, certainly one of the most prestigious programs in the nation. Uh, two really famous alum, uh, Chris Paul and Tim Duncan. We know Chris's teammate, James Harden's a big TBT fan. We've heard that through the grapevine. How aware do you think Chris and Tim are? Do you think they'll be tuned in? Have you guys talked to them yet? No, Chris is probably one of the toughest guys to get in touch with, as you can <laughs> probably already believe. Um, you know, we, we've got his best friend on the team, Justin Gray. So yeah. Is, I'm sure he'll be tuned in a little bit um, just to see how he's doing, at least. You know, with the Wake team in there, Wake, Chris is a big-time Wake guy. He loves Wake Forest, you know, does anything he can to help the program. So I know – you know, once he got word that we were in there, if, if he still doesn't know, like once he does, once it does get to him, that he'll definitely be tuned in and, and rooting us on. We'll, we'll definitely hear from him, I'm pretty sure, throughout the week when we're there. That's great. And uh, he'd certainly be a good, you know, maybe sometime down the road, a good addition uh, to that team, whether it be a booster and a coaching role. So hopefully he can uh, tune in and, and see you guys play. Uh, LD Williams coming to suit up with Wake the Nation coming up at the Seagull Center. LD, just a little bit about you. I mean, you're, uh, you were on the all-defensive team for the ACC twice during your Wake Forest career. Only player, actually, in Wake Forest history to accomplish that. Uh, but before you got into basketball, you're also a football and a track athlete. How did you end up kind of choosing basketball, and what was kind of your path to Wake Forest? <laughs> well, you can't, you, can't, uh, you can't control the weather in football and track. <laughs> <laughs> you know, basketball is climate controlled. You know, you're indoors. Um, I was really, I was, I was, I would say I was a really good football player, but you know, in November when it got cold, uh, like I just was disinterested yeah. <laughs> in football and then, and then track, you know, I, I love, I still to this day love to run, love to uh, work out and things like that. But it just, that never really grasped my attention. I was just pretty fast and was athletic enough to, uh, to be a high jumper in uh in high school so that was just more of a hobby than than anything that i took serious um and then yeah man my path to wake was uh for me it was it was always one road you know i always wanted to go to wake since the day man since maybe since i started following basketball close enough to know that wake forest was where it was at um, one of my closest friends growing up, dad worked at Wake Forest, so we would go to the games when I was a kid. I mean, some of my favorite Wake Forest players were Robert O'Kelly, um, Randolph Childress, of course, obviously Rusty LaRue, Tim Duncan, those type guys, like Tony Rutland, who's still like a big brother to me. We played for the same AAU organization. Um, so, yeah, man, I mean, there's not much Wake history that I don't know that I can't recite off the top of my head. Um, I've always, I've, for me, I've always been a Demon Deacon, man. And when Coach Prosser um, sent Coach Gaudio down to Montverde to offer me my scholarship, I mean, it was one of the happiest days of my life. And I committed two days later. And then you graduate in 2010, a degree in communication. You're very well-spoken. You know the game well. Do you ever have thought about, you know, post-playing career, getting into some sort of communication, whether it be broadcasting or anything like that? Yeah, yeah, man. I actually think about it a lot. I would, I would, I'm, I would love to be able to teach the game at some level. Um, I'm, I'm, I kind of have a, a heart in a, in a, in an in excitement around coaching. But I definitely 
have that same type of aspirations to want to be able to talk about the game at some point, to be a commentator, color commentator. Um, you know, just sitting and talking basketball, man. I, I love it. I love I love that aspect of the game. I'm actually married to uh, Clark Kellogg's daughter. Ah. So there's some, uh there there's obviously some history there with him and that uh that field. So yeah, yeah, no. I mean we talk basketball with him as well and and it's it's fun. It's fun. So to be able to see the coach or to, to sit on T V or sit on the radio and and talk about hoops is definitely something that I've thought about a lot, you know, even while I'm still playing. Down at uh, VCU, we might have to get you on one of those broadcasts and let you do a little play-by-play or something, get you a little uh, a little run with that, because, uh, yeah, I think you do a, a great job uh, in that, just your, your history or knowledge of basketball, and uh, th- that's great. Uh, and then, so, just a couple more things, and then we will let you go. So then, after Wake Forest, you've kind of um, went back and forth between the G League and overseas this last year. Like you said, you were in Finland. Um, what, what's it kind of like playing overseas? You've, I, I think you've been in France as well. Um, do you kind of like playing overseas more than in the G League? Uh, has it been kind of tough to adapt to that style of play? What's that been like? Um, I would say I like... I like basketball, man. So wherever they're going to give me a check to play and I can play at a high level, you know, that's, that's what I'm about. Um, this is obviously different. The G league being, you know, NBA rules and then the European style rules. So it's a different game. Um, a lot of places it's more directed towards half court in the, uh, in the European game. But like I said, like you said, I played in France and that was an up and down league. This year in France, we got up and down a little bit too, but we ran half court sets, you know, a lot almost every time down the court. But it's just a different game, you know. It's different rules. Um, the biggest thing isn't isn't adjusting to basketball. I would say it's adjusting to just culture outside of outside of basketball. Um, you know, in France, you don't you, French is a tough you know language to learn on the fly, but you know they they help you out as long as you try in France, like we get, they give us a bad rep or give, or French people get a bad rep about being rude and this and the third. But in my experience there, as long as you try to, you know, take in the culture and do what you can to try to um, assimilate to their ways, they do a great job of helping you out. In Finland, um, everybody speaks English. That was a big, big thing. Yeah. Everybody speaks English. But it's just so it's so daggone cold there, man. I mean, <laughs> and then at and then during pretty much the whole winter season, it gets dark there at three p.m. Oh. So that that was a different aspect. But you know, other than that, once you once you get over that initial culture shock, if you will, it's all it's all just about basketball and you know just focusing on winning games and trying to get better. So that other stuff really doesn't take a, a, a huge toll on you. What's the uh, the best food you had in either France or Finland that you can't get here in America? Oh, man. See, I'm I'm, I'm probably the wrong guy. To oh, yeah? <laughs> I'm, I am the pickiest eater known to man. Like, it, it kills my wife that, that, like, as picky as I am. Um, but, no, nah, I think in Finland... Did I have a really good meal in Finland or in France? Well, in France, there was a, like, there was this special dish that you can only get in the city that I played in, basically. Ah. It was called 
Pulete Brez, which is chicken of, of breast, which was the city that I was in, Borken Breast. And just how they prepared the chicken, they like soaked it or uh, marinated it in red wine. And then they prepared it a certain way. It was really good. It was really good there. And then it was like all gratin potatoes with it, you know, which is, you don't get more French than all gratin potatoes. Right. <laughs> Might have to take a uh, flight out there to try that. Right. Yeah. No, that was, that was really good. Where I played Bergen Brest was a little small city, about 45 minutes outside of Lyon. And it was, that was that, that dish there. I probably got it once or twice a week. <laughs> wow. Uh, I noticed, I, I was looking up your career a little bit and I noticed, and you mentioned it too. You're more, you know, you, you take a lot of pride in your defense. You're more of a defense first player, but you did, you won the dunk contest in France and I believe in the, the D league as well. So how'd you kind of get into dunking as more of a defensive style or, or a player? Yeah. I mean, I was just, you know, the Lord blessed me with athleticism from an early age. Like, I was always blessed to be able to play above the rim. So once I got a certain age and, and, and my athleticism took over, I just would go in the gym and try different stuff. And then you're, with, you're in the gym with your friends all day. And they're like, I bet you can't do it this way. Or I bet you can't do this. Or I bet you can't do that. And, you know, you're just trying different stuff, you know, whatever it may be. You're trying whatever it is. And then you, you figure out that you can do all these things. And then he just. We watched Vince Carter. Vince Carter's probably my favorite dunker ever. So that was kind of my inspiration for these dunk contests in the D-League and, and in France. And I just put them together, man. And, uh, yeah, I mean, there's, that's just pretty much how that went down. And that trans over, translates over to the game, you know, and whenever you're uh, attacking the rim. You know, guys don't, don't necessarily want to, want to jump with, with guys who might dunk on them. So when I get in the lane – if I dunk one or two, guys usually move out the way, so then it's easier to score. Yeah, I'm not rooting for any team in TBT, but I certainly hope you get uh, like a fast break opportunity. I just I got to see one of them. Uh, I'm sure I can find it on YouTube, actually, but uh, that's great. What's your favorite dunk you've ever done? Uh, I still think I made this dunk up, and the guy is at Team Flight Brothers, my guy Chuck. I hope he hears this. <clears throat> uh, I, I'm not, I've yet to get credit for it. So hopefully, hopefully Chuck is listening right now, or he's listening whenever this airs. Um, my dunk in the D League that I won it with was I caught a lob. My teammate stood in front of the rim and just tossed it up in front of the rim, and I did a windmill, and I stuck my elbow in the rim. Oh wow! And I literally like that was the first time I had done it. I just told my teammate just to throw it. I didn't tell anybody what I was going to do. I just did it. And you could hear a pin drop in the arena. Wow. There were probably 10,000 people in there, and there was no reaction. There was no reaction for it. I'll, I will be YouTubing that later, as I'm sure will be many people uh, tuning in here. Uh, so that's great. We'll have to take a look at that. Um, two final questions before we let you go. Is there any team in TBT who you really want to play? There's probably two. Um, one more because it'll be funny to see us actually compete against each other in a real game because it, it never it never could transpire in practice. Um, ALS, my best friend Jerry Smith is on that team, mm. and we we played against we played with each other for two years in the D League, 
And in practice, we literally couldn't be on different teams because we would just start fighting. What's that, like a competitive thing? Yeah, like we would just like, we would just start fighting, like talking junk back and forth. Yeah. And then it would turn into like one-on-one with us for like 10 straight possessions. So our coach, like Bob McKinnon, could never put us on the same team in practice. <laughs> and we started together in the games, obviously. But like in practice, like we had to be on the same team or we could never get anything done. And then uh, probably uh, the Ohio State team, Scarlet and Gray. I live in Columbus, Ohio. Mm. I've grown um, – to have a really good relationship with Jared Sellinger and Evan Ravenel and John Diebler, um, Scooney Penn, who's their coach. Um, like those are some of my really close friends here in Columbus. So to be able to like play against those guys, um, we, we kind of have a little, little joke here and there, you know, while we're working out together. Cause I work out with those guys every day and um, yeah. So it'll be cool to get to play against those guys too. The the only thing with playing them is obviously if you win it's great but if you don't win you you can you just like can't show up at Ohio State anymore right yeah no I'll be in there and I'll, <laughs> I'll be running my mouth that's, the thing. that's, that, the thing. that's great uh, final question we have for you LD is on. Um, Wake Forest fans, obviously, not too far to get from down there up to Richmond. What's your message to them? Why should they show up? What can they expect to see? What's kind of your parting message before you guys uh, start on the journey? Man, just just show up because it's good basketball. Um, Obviously, we'll be in it, but it's it's good basketball across the board. There's some really good teams. Honestly, I think this is the strongest field that it's had um, since the TBT has started. Mm. You know, this, this this is really good basketball. These are high-level guys. And then for the Wake Forest fans out there, man, when's the last time you've all seen Josh Howard and myself, uh, Justin Gray, C.J. Harris, um, Travis McKay on the same floor? Like, it, it's never happened. So to be able to have guys like that that represent the program that are all going to be on the same floor, we're all Wake guys. You know, at, at some point in our career, we all played at Wake because uh, – uh, Anthony Gurley is the only guy that didn't finish that way. He he ended up transferring to UMass after Coach Prosser passed away. But we all we're all Wake guys. We all love Wake Forest. We um we're gonna do a great job representing the uni- uh, university, and then of course we're gonna try to go out there and and, and win this thing. Absolutely. I personally can't wait to see you guys in action. It's a really well put together team. Uh, you guys have a tough opponent in Showtime, but there's really no easy matchups this year in TBT, as you alluded to. That was LD Williams suiting up for Wake the Nation down at VCU at the Seagull Center coming up just over a week away. LD, we appreciate you taking the time. Appreciate you, man. Excited to welcome on now Melvin Johnson. He is going to be suiting up for Ram Nation in the South region of TBT 2018. Melvin, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. Now, Melvin, it's kind of an exciting time down in Richmond. We're only a couple days away from TBT heading down there. What do you think kind of the environment's going to be uh, down in Richmond as we get closer to game time? Uh, A little more overwhelming than I thought. Uh, Just running into fans, of course. Uh, life fans of, of VCU and they just, you know, been greeting me and out of all things talking about TBT, you would think they would talk about, you know, like your past success, but they were so excited uh, for the 14th. So, I mean, that, that that was pretty good for me just to know that, you know, we may have a, a pretty pack house for, for these important games, of course. 
what's crazy to me, Melvin, is you kind of hit on it there is VCU fans are so dedicated not only to their team, but to their alumni and to TBT. They've just been, like I said, so into it uh, over the years. That must be kind of a good feeling as an alumni to know that, hey, you know, these fans care about me even after I left the school. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of what outside of the players asking that kind of what swayed me to play this year. Just I was there in Brooklyn when those guys lost to an overseas elite and you know, I saw our college band, I, you know, I saw adults still dressing like students, painting their faces and people with matching T-shirts. And this is for an adult summer league, if, you know, just to put it into you know, a word, I guess. So it was it was pretty cool to see that. And uh, as soon as they asked me, uh, I want to say it was this December, I was automatically agreed. I was going to say, how much had you watched this team? Obviously, it's your first year with Ram Nation. Uh, you said you were there in Brooklyn. Have you been really kind of the last couple of years following this team and watching them? Oh, yeah, for sure. Little do you know, I mean, it's watch parties all over Richmond. For <laughs> so um, I want to say the first year, of course, I think they lost the overseas elite, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. And uh, we were, I mean, I was at a bar with about 100 fans in a, a area, of course, where you know, people bar hop, et cetera. And we ended up going into a bar and there was a hundred fans with the TBT game on a flat screen. And, you know, the bar gave them their own little section. That was the first time I got a glimpse of it. So ever since I kind of been following it. That, that's awesome. And again, we're really excited to head down to Richmond. Uh, what's kind of your message to the fans? Obviously, um, we've there's already a lot of people planning on going, but what's kind of your message to them? Why should they show up? What can they kind of expect from the team? Uh, just kind of what's your pitch for them showing up at the Seagull Center? Well, for one, I mean, for them even taking time out there summer just to come visit us, you know, I would, you know, just say a big thank you to everyone who plan on coming and everyone who do come. And you know, that, that that's pretty big time within itself. But uh, what they can expect is just, I mean, the way we've been communicating with each other, guys seem on edge. You know, they actually want to defend, want to play together, want to have fun. It's not about who scores X, Y, Z or who's playing this amount of minutes. It's, I mean, guys seem hungry. You know, we communicate often and, you know, they should know that. I mean, we're going to come to play. We we understand their importance in these type of games where every minute matters, every possession. So, you know, if they're able to come out, you know, it would be so appreciated. Absolutely. Now, you told me before we got on, you're originally from the Bronx, for people who don't know. And yeah. uh, you've played overseas. You've been in Italy the last couple of years. But you actually bought a place in Richmond for the summers to work out with these guys <laughs> and, and play, you know, do a little run together and play five on five or whatever you yeah. guys do over there. Uh, just kind of tell us a little bit about kind of that tight knit VCU community. It seems like you guys really enjoy staying together and in the summers working out and everything like that. Yeah, I mean, even the guys who are in the NBA, as far as the uh, Travions and Briantes who come back, Troy Daniels. I mean, I mean, it's it's a close knit family. We 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 speak often, but uh, it's something that's kind of tradition from the time I got here. It's just you know, the overseas guys, the G League, or whether you're in the NBA, those guys program lifts with the strength coach after the team lifts, so they have like designated times to where the pros could come in, get pretty much the same exact lift the players just did, maybe a bit harder, maybe a uh, a bit less, get on the court, you know, the GAs, God willing, they, you know, they're willing to help us out and rebound for us. So whether you want to get shot up and play pickup, we do that immediately after weight. You could do cardio, you go to the treatment center. So it's so much here for us 24 hours a day. You know, it's why not come to where you're most comfortable, where where you're most loved outside of your, your first home, of course. 
Absolutely. And really credit to uh, VCU as well, kind of opening it up and letting you guys come back whenever you want. And we saw that actually we were at Marquette for the Big East pod this weekend. It was the same kind of thing where, um, you know, the TBT can kind of help build that family environment and get guys to stick around. So it's great to see. Um, What what do you think it'll be like for you? Obviously, you're going to suit up with guys who you've practiced with and maybe played, you know, pickup games with over at Richmond. But um, when you look at guys like Schuler or Maynard or or some guys who you might not have suited up with at your VCU career, you're kind of looking forward to uh, putting on the same jersey as them. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of how I felt my first year in the league. Uh, Eric was my teammate. He signed immediately after I did, and that was super overwhelming. You know, Eric being who he was and me being in college, just kind of following his career. And then as far as shoot, same way. I mean, I follow shoot, the heck of a shooter. But, of course, he he took it to another level when he got to Europe. So just to actually be on the same team with those guys, again, is is, is pretty cool, to be honest. I can't even lie to you. Just, sometimes, you know, you you fam, you fanboy because you kind of grew up watching these guys <laughs> in college and doing well as a pro when they come back in the summers. And I was in college. You know, I was full of questions. I just wanted to know what everything was like. So, to actually be in a in a mix with them is a little bit different. So I don't know. I just want to play my role, get in where I fit in, hopefully make a shot or two, and you know just have fun, smile, enjoy the moment. You know. What is your role? Obviously, VCU fans are used to watching you, but there's going to be a lot of people uh, maybe watching you for the first time. So kind of bring us through your game a little bit. Oh, uh, shooter first. You know, I I'm not oblivious to that side. I I feel like I could really shoot the ball, and that's that's my strength. But also, I just going off the bounce, just playing with poise, being able to make the right pass. I mean, I try to do as much as I possibly can. But on this team, I think my role would definitely be knocking down shots. We, we've added players for the, for for their strengths. You know, we didn't really need nobody doing a million different things. I'm a shooter. Melvin, make shots, get your feet set, you know, make a play when you can. But, you know, play within the rules, play within the team, and hopefully we'll win a few games. Absolutely. And everyone I've talked to, Matt actually told me this, and I've talked to some VCU fans. They all say they love you. They Like, you're like the fan favorite on this team. Uh, why is that? Why do VCU fans love you so much? I think because I smile so much. <laughs> you know, I, I really I really do try to enjoy that. That kind of takes the, the pressure off me. And I, I will be nervous. You know, on the 14th, I definitely will be nervous to come out there again uh, after two years and play in front of our fans. So, that's that's been like my 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 goal to you the first person I'm telling this to so you know this is pretty exclusive <laughs> I'm playing but uh yeah I just smile it through I try to smile and uh, people kind of you know they they were attracted to it my smile was just contagious and you know people would credit me to it and you know you're always happy you're always positive you know your energy guy on the bench whether you're in the game or out the game so people begin to gravitate towards me and I accepted it I'm pretty outgoing so it's nothing to me. You also made more three-pointers than anyone in the history of VCU, so I'm sure that helps a little bit <laughs> as well. Oh, oh, yeah, that too. Yeah, that too. <laughs> I mean, I, I made a few shots, man. A few. Is it crazy it. to think about that? Like, VCU has such a rich tradition now. Some of the guys you're going to play with, and even guys before that, to know that you set a record that, uh, you know, other guys didn't and that you're going to kind of always live in, in VCU kind of lore for that? Yeah, I was... Now it's a little, uh, now it hit me a lot more. But when I was in college, I wasn't really thinking about it too much. But now coming back, and every time you come back, you kind of want to know what's your place. Like, where did you put your mark in history, you know? So when you come back and, you know, people know you as one of the best, the best shooter as of now, you know, records are meant to be broken. But when you come back and people recognize you as the best shooter or one of the best shooters to come through here, that's that's pretty cool. That's pretty satisfying to know that your work is paying off and you, you inspire it. It's the platform to inspire, of course. 
Yeah, a lot of people kind of do that in high school, but to be able to do that at the D1 level is just so impressive to be able to set a feat like that. I don't think people understand uh, just how much goes into that. Um, For you, playing in TBT, are you excited to kind of get back in that one-and-done format? You've played in Italy the last couple of years, which I'm actually, I'm not sure how their playoff system works. So you, I'm sure you've played in elimination games, but for every game to be an elimination game, you kind of excited for that? Yeah, yeah, of course. So, yeah, in Italy, it's best out of five, but uh, like, for example, like their cups is one game elimination. So I kind of know like that pressure, that intensity you need for every single possession. But I mean, I'm super excited because I mean, every, every summer they come back, they talk about the games they won, the games they lost, and they kind of drag that out through the whole year because this is, you know, this is kind of the VCU Super Bowl, to, so to speak, outside of the regular season. So, you know, we speak about it all the time and uh, I'm, I'm just hoping we're not one and done first week. And that's, that's all I'm hoping for right now. Hopefully we survive in advance. Yeah, they actually got close last year. Showtime, who was yeah, I, I know uh, I forget what seed. Yeah, yeah. and it, it took a uh, a skiing buzzer beater. Yeah, yeah, skiing had the buzzer beater. Yup. Yeah, I watched that game live as well. Yeah, they said back to back years they've had uh, scares the first weekend. So you know, hopefully with a, with a few practices we could you know we could get polished and get on the same page. Hopefully not make it as hard. Yeah, the the year before it was the NC Prodigal Suns actually lead them by twenty in the first half, and then and they were down twenty. Yep, and they they exploded. Yep, I remember all that. I was watching. Why do you think that is? Overseas elite has had a lot of trouble in the first weekend as well, closing out games against lower seats. Do you think it's because those, or I should say, higher seats? Do you think it's because they're really, you know, those are players who really don't, you know, a lot of people don't know them. They're trying to make an impact. Is it just kind of gelling together? Why do you think that the really you know, top-ranked teams have a yeah. tough time. Yeah, and I mean, I just think it's, it's human nature <clears throat> from the time we're younger where, you know, you play up to competition and you quote-unquote play down to competition and I don't mean any offense to any team saying playing down because it's seeding voted by fans and the people, you know, so it's not, nobody plays for these seeds, so I don't mean to talk down on anybody, but I think that's what it is. Sometimes you see a lower seed and you're like, all right, we could get through this a, a, a bit easier and that's when you get you know, and those guys always come to play, and that's when you might get stunned a little bit. But then, of course, you're looking across from me, and you got teams like Marquette or FOE or Overseas Elite, and now you're like, either I do play to my best, or we get blown out, or we lose the game and we go home. So I think that's kind of the balance, but I can't speak on it uh, 100% because I haven't been in that position with them yet. Absolutely. Uh, it sounds like you're a pretty good fan of TBT, not just Ram Nation. What other teams have you kind of enjoyed watching over the years? Um, of course, like the overseas elite team, uh, the Marquette team, pretty much the teams that seem close knit, like the, the Syracuse team, the Ohio. I think that's with uh, with Salinger and Lady, yep. etc. Uh, of course, the BCU team, just the team that seem close knit that I always get past that first weekend. The Bulls, uh, they had the Dominique, yeah, the, Dominique the, Jones. South Florida, yeah, Dominique Jones, yeah. So I mean, just because of BCU, I kind of you know I would just keep it on the channel and watch more and more games, and I would see names from Europe who aren't quite as popular to everyone here, but I would know those people, so I would even want to attend to it more, so I'll be more attentive, so, yeah. Just a little bit about you before we let you go. You were, like I, I think I mentioned earlier, you're from the Bronx, you go to VCU, mm-hmm. and then you're playing professionally in Italy. Just, when you know, take yourself back to being a young kid. Can you imagine that that's kind of the way your career has gone and that you've been as successful as you have been? <laughs> no, not actually. Um, I, I was I was just fighting for a uh, a college offer to be honest with you at one point there was a time when I was a sophomore in high school and I was just 
I was I just wanted to go Division One. I. I mean, of course, my recruitment broke open as I got older, but you know, I was a humble kid, a chubby, just just trying to get to college. So when I actually got to college and had success at that level, became a pro, and now I'm getting paid just to play basketball, something that I could do for free. Well, I've grown up doing my entire life is kind of surreal. So, you know, just coming from the Bronx, coming from humble beginnings and being able to provide for yourself and your family through this game where it's just the platform that expires is pretty cool if you ask me. Had you ever been out of the country before you played in Italy? It's crazy. Well, each year, every four years, uh, the college teams get to go on a foreign tour. So when I first got to college my freshman year, we went to Italy and we went to, oh. I want to say, at least four sites I've seen since I've been there in my first two years. So every time I see him, it's like deja vu. It's crazy deja vu, and it's pretty cool, too. That's great. What, what was the kind of the biggest culture shock actually living in a different country? You'll be surprised, but it's just, I think it's just the language. Yeah. It's not the food. It's not the, it's not the people. It's not the gyms. It's not the basketball. It's literally the language. Like, that, that's what makes you most uncomfortable, not being able to order the food the way you want, just not being able to talk, express yourself. Sometimes have not being able to express yourself it gets bottled in and that's kind of where you get that, that homesickness, et cetera. So, yeah. Yeah, I can imagine. And what, what's your favorite food that you've like kind of acquired in Italy? Obviously, Italy is very known for their food. Uh, so what have you kind of latched on to? I would say uh, pesto pasta. <laughs> yeah. That, 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 pesto, that pesto pasta is definitely night and day from what I've eaten my entire life in the U.S. I cannot lie about that. So the pesto pasta is definitely my go-to. Some I want to say about three times a week. And uh, I want to say I like their I like their seafood. I like their fishes. Their fishes are really good. So me trying to stay healthy, I try to stick with the fish and chicken, you know. Yeah, it sounds good to me. Uh, just a, a couple more things, and then we're going to let you go. How's the mm-hmm. overseas yeah. basketball different to basketball here in the U.S.? And how do you think that's going to help you when it comes to TBT? Uh, it's, it's totally different because it's, it's not about your skill set. It's about how smart you are. So, you know, guys use less dribble, more cuts. You know, they offer to rebound more. They do they do more of the little things. And I think that's that's kind of what helped me grow as a player because I just realized I don't need the ball to be, you know, productive on the court. You know, I could backdoor. I could set like a random flare screen with, if I see my, my teammates man looking at the ball. Just little things that I realized that I got beat with and then I realized that I could use on other people too. So. I think it's the little things that that people don't really see unless you go over there and play will definitely play a factor in the TBT for me. Absolutely. And we saw that with um, Brad Wanamaker, who just signed with the Celtics. He played in TBT. And um, when they were talking about him, they said that kind of oversees more, more. I don't want to say it's, players are more selfish in America, but they kind of are in a way. Uh, and that's yeah, what the but Celtics they dribble, like. Yeah, like if you, if you dribble in five times to get a shot in Europe, you know, it's a good chance if you miss that shot, you, you may be getting pulled. You know, unless unless it, you're a team, it's, it's probably best that you should either either be more decisive with your with your moves or get rid of it. For sure. Um, last thing, uh, you obviously, like you said, you watched Ram Nation twice lose to overseas elite Matt. Uh, when he was Matt Shelton Ide, when he was assembling the team, he wanted to build a team that can beat overseas elite this time around. He thought you were a really good um, addition, obviously because you're shooting and just you're kind of an overall. Uh, all-around type player. So what's it going to take for you guys to finally break through and beat them? Consistency. Uh, it's going to be a battle. And to be brutally honest, I'm sure they made changes. And on top of the players they already have, which are great players, I can't even give you the formula to beat those guys. Uh, 
it's just going to be a battle. It's going to be when we show up, who's ready to play? Because in this very moment, I can't tell you, you know, the X's and O's, but, you know, when the ball is tipped, it's just going to come down to who really wants it more. Because the talent is there. I'm sure the intensity is going to be there. You know, the hype is going to be there. It's going to be a packed gym wherever we are if we make it that far. So, I mean, I don't know, but I just know we're going to have to be ready to uh, suit up and be ready for war. Absolutely. Uh, one thing I actually meant to ask you is Joey Rodriguez is going to coach you guys again. He's really taken off in his uh, coaching career. I believe he's at Florida Atlantic now. He just got a job. Yeah. Um, yep. What, what makes him such a good coach? I loved watching him in college, and he's done a really great job both with TBT and his, in his uh, professional life. He's like, um, he's like a poor man's Rondo to an extent, I want to say. I want to say that. Just from like a mental standpoint, Joey's actually a really smart player. He's very, he's very intelligent. He just, I mean, guys felt comfortable with him being being the coach because he could make adjustments. You know, he he actually was dialed in. He really was locked in on being a coach. It wasn't just the summer, the summer league job for him. He was really like trying to make the right substitutions, and I think that really played a part. I don't know if that's what got him to where he is today, but I know that that definitely developed great habits for him and into him being a, a head coach someday. Absolutely. Uh, Melvin Johnson, we will see you coming up at the TBT South Regional at the Siegel Center at VCU. Uh, Melvin, we appreciate you being here. Thanks for having me. Welcoming on now, Sean Marshall, the GM of Team Challenge ALS. They are coming back, the number one seed in the West Region, getting ready to make another deep run in TBT. Sean, how you doing? I'm doing well. Uh, thanks for having me. Excited about TVT and ready to get going. Yeah, we're excited to have you guys back, Sean. It's crazy. I was thinking about it today. It's crazy that like a year's already gone by and it's already time for TVT again. Yeah, definitely. Uh, it flew by, honestly. Um, we have a team group chat that we're uh, constantly in communication with each other. And uh, all year we, we were just waiting for this opportunity to get back and uh, – uh, have a little redemption for last year. When you like get so close, like you guys did, like how how much are you thinking about TBT in the off season? Because like if you get bounced in the first round, like yeah, it was a fun experience. Maybe you're not thinking about it till it comes back up. But when you get like that close, how often are you thinking about TBT? Um, I, I think honestly, we were thinking about it every day that went by. Um, the way that we lost, the the run that we had. Um, the support we had was from so many people within the ALS community. Um, it was something special, and I think we all felt that. And uh, just inspired us to come back and build a better team and um, come up with a stronger mindset for this year. I think in hindsight, like or like right after the game, it's hard to think that way. But as you kind of like reflected on the run a little bit, did it kind of easily, even though you didn't win the two million, making it that far and getting the story on TV and uh, Mr. and Mrs. Frady's were on ESPN and all the coverage you guys got, did that kind of maybe soothe the blow a little bit? Uh, definitely. I mean, honestly, uh, when creating the team, um, talking with the Frady's family, uh, I honestly did not expect for us to have the kind of run that we had. I knew that we had a strong team, but um, the main goal first was just to win the first two games uh, so we can make it onto the national television on ESPN and uh, kind of share that story of uh, all the people in the world battling ALS and um, kind of pay tribute to the Sadie's family and my friend Pete. So that was the main goal. And obviously it hurt to lose in the finals, but uh, it was it was kind of bittersweet. Um, knowing that we we got to do something much more special than uh, raise a check at the end of it. 
Exactly. I you took kind of took the words out of my mouth. I mean, getting that uh, publicity and getting the coverage and everything, I think, was way more valuable than uh, the two million as it was. But uh, I was going to get to this later, but you kind of mentioned it. Last year, you guys were representing the whole ALS community, but you put a special focus, deservedly so, on uh, Pete Frades, and you guys all had your name, or his name, on your back. This year, you guys are changing it up a little bit. You'll have Pete's name on your back, but there'll also be, um, you know, every other guy will be wearing a different name of someone affected by ALS. How did you guys kind of come up with that uh, idea, and how'd that kind of come to be? Um, Yeah, uh, uh, just going through the experience last year, um, it helped me to realize that um, although Pete is my friend and he's battling ALS, and um, he's not the only one out there. And the support that we that we received from so many people who were following us because of what we were representing, uh, it was just unbelievable. And uh, I just remember flying on the um, getting on the plane and the flight back to California from Baltimore after the game, and. Uh, this, this idea just popped into my head that I wanted to put different names on. So it was actually instantly right at, right after the game on the plane, I was just thinking about things for next year. So I came up with that idea. I shared it with a couple of the other guys on the team um, that helped me out. Uh, one of my friends, Johnny Dukes, who's the assistant coach, and uh, Steve Hughes, who was also assistant coach, and they thought it was great. And I ran it by Dan Farrell. He thought it was great. So um started to put it into action, and I think it's going to be an unbelievable thing this year that we're doing. Uh, so many families um, that are just honored to have that name be represented on ESPN. It's, it's just a great feeling for us to, to do that for them. I was going to say, what was kind of the feedback from the families? Like, I mean, you mentioned it there, but I can only imagine they were pretty uh, honored when, when you said, you know, one of the names will be a name of a family member. I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of different people you could have picked. And ultimately, like we said, you're representing the whole ALS community. But what was just kind of the reaction from the families who you ultimately chose? Oh, it was tears of joy, honestly. The phone calls that uh, that we made, reaching out to the families, letting them know what we were going to do, uh, it, it was unbelievable. I, I honestly wish that I, I could have uh, recorded our video um, so I could share it with everybody who follows us because it was just an unbelievable thing to have them on the phone literally crying because um, someone that they love so much died from this terrible disease and we're going to honor them and, and get their story out there and get their picture out there. It's just, it was unbelievable, man. It's, I can't even explain it. Absolutely. And I'm really looking forward to seeing the jerseys uh, and, and seeing just what they look like. And uh, the designs look very uh, good. So that'll be something exciting to watch this next coming weekend. Um, Sean, we're going to get to the, the team in a second, but I know you're a big TBT fan. So I just want to get your thoughts on the initial weekend, some of the action you saw in Spokane, and if you also tuned in Marquette and actually what you thought of the Elam ending in person. Yeah, I watched the games. Um, TBT is just an unbelievable tournament have so much respect for um, great players who play in it every single summer, and it's only great. Um, I love basketball, so I'll, I'll literally watch anything. Seven-year-old kids playing, I'll turn it on and watch them. But um, it, it, it was exciting. I, I enjoyed watching the, the, the pods that, that were a part of TVT, and I think that there are some pretty good teams um, that advanced. Uh, the St. Mary's team looked very well. I mean, very good, and um, they played together well. Uh, you can tell that they have a nice chemistry within their team, and uh, the same with the Marquette team. They've they've obviously always been good in the tournament, um, but I think they have a pretty strong team this year, also. So just excited, and the Elam ending, I I really um, 
the game between Few Good Men and uh, St. Mary's, I mean, obviously you couldn't see it in that game, but the game prior to that was, I think, Few Good Men in Utah. Yeah. Um, it was pretty exciting. Um, I don't know if I'm a fan of it. I think I would have to see, see a couple more games or a few more games to, to really judge it. But um, initially, wasn't really excited about it, but I could, I could, I could see how a fan would be engaged in the ending, ending the game that way. So I understand it. Just I don't know if I'm personally a fan of it. Well, the thing last year that one of one of the many things that I liked about you was how into it Darren got. Darren Carlson, coach of Team Challenge ALS, point guard on the Indiana Pacers. I loved how into TBT he got and really was, in my opinion, one of the best coaches we've ever had in TBT. you got to think he might be, um, even if he's not a fan of it yet, maybe licking his chops a little bit, kind of figuring out strategy and how he's going to play that. Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, we've been talking about this uh when we heard that it was going to be in the works, that it, it might be used this year, um, just coming up with different strategies. Barry, Darren's my guy. I talk to him every day. And uh, choosing him as a coach, I, I've, I've known Darren since we were young. So I knew that if he committed to do something, especially something with a cause like this, that he would be all in. So um, he's just doing exactly what I knew he was going to do. I didn't, I didn't know he was going to be that good of a coach with the play calling, but um, he's unbelievable. We're lucky to have him, and uh, he's excited to come back uh, this year. And uh, I really think that he has some tricks up his sleeve for the email. I don't want to share anything with anybody, <laughs> but we we have some strategies that we're going to use. That's great, and he just had a career year this year, which was uh, great to watch with Indiana. Yeah. They brought Cleveland pretty deep. What what do you think is to that, Sean? Darren had a, a great year. Marcus Morris, who coached in TBT, had a career year. Is that a coincidence, <laughs> or does TBT uh, make you a better player? Uh, Darren told me from his own mouth that uh, coaching in TBT helped him as a player because it helped him understand what it was like to be on the coaching side mm. of it. So I know for a fact that it's helped him in one way or another become a better player. I can't speak for Marcus Morris, but uh, both of those guys had great years. That's great. Uh, that's great to hear. Um, you guys reloaded a little bit. It's mostly the same crew from a year ago, but you also added EJ Roland or Rowland. I don't want to mispronounce it. And Jeff Ayers as well. Two really good players. Um, shot EJ now playing with you guys. If you guys can advance out of the West, he's going to go up against some fellow St. Mary's alums. Have you guys talked about that yet? Yeah. Uh, adding EJ and Jeff was, um, uh, it was pretty easy because I, I played with both of them this year in Turkey, um, both great players. So uh, I just wanted to, you know, felt like those are the areas that we need to get better. I didn't want to change too much because the chemistry I felt we had last year was great. So um, adding Jeff, who's a big body, who'd be able to guard uh, a Jared Selinger-like player, which we didn't really have last year. And then um, adding EJ Rowan, who's a point guard, um, who when Casper – would get tired. We put a lot on Casper last year. When he would get tired, uh, we need to we need to to release somebody to give him a blow. So um, EJ is going to bring that experience with us, and also he's an unbelievable player. But the funny thing about it is, uh, St. Mary's contacted EJ in a group chat, and they were putting together his team. And um, I had already asked EJ, so he told them that he was playing with somebody else, and then they, they just kicked him off the group chat. So <laughs> I think EJ is going to have take that game a little bit personal. Um, it's all. It's always fun to play against your old team if you're not going to be playing with them. Uh, I think we experienced that last year with Austin Day when we beat the Yeah. So uh, I guess we're going to be the team that uh, plays against uh, the guys uh, 
on the monitors. I guess that's what we're known for. That's not a bad kind of brand to have in addition to everything else you guys have going on. Um, before you get there, you guys, like we talked about, will be playing um, whoever comes out of that playing game between Utah Valor and Fort Hood Wounded Warriors. But uh, not to look ahead, but just, you know, say you get to that second round matchup, Team 23 and City Team Blazers. Uh, probably, especially City Team, a team that you guys are probably pretty used to. A lot of California guys out there. A um, couple of Drew League guys, Bobby Brown on that team, Craig Smith on the team. What do you kind of think of that potential second round matchup? Um, like you said, we're not, we're not looking past anybody. We know that GPT, uh, you know, everybody's going to play their hardest. And uh, whenever you're playing against somebody who's putting their full effort, there's all, anything can happen. So we're going to go down on uh, Friday and watch the playing games, uh, scout them a little bit. And um, if we happen to advance, of course, I mean, I've, I've watched Team 23 play for uh, the, the past couple years that I've played in, uh, in the tournament, and they play extremely hard. They've been playing together for a while. So um, they're definitely a tough team to, to beat. And uh, City team, I play in the Drew League, so I, I watch City Team for for years and years and years together. Um, they got a few different guys this year, but they have a strong team, and um, we know that most of our guys are from the Inland Empire. Most of their guys are from LA. That's kind of a little rivalry rivalry within within itself. So um, we're ready to meet the challenge. Uh, we know how intense the games are, and we're ready to to match that intensity. With the Absolutely. Uh, aside from the West region, is there any other teams you kind of like heading into this year? Obviously, uh, that's not too much of a conflict because you wouldn't play them till late. Is there any other teams you're kind of eyeing that you think uh, have a good squad? Um, obviously, Overseas Elite. Uh, they've won the last three years, so they're definitely the team to beat. Um, I, I like how Syracuse uh, came back stronger. Um, I think they're really going to be good, but also in the Northeast, um, HBC. Yeah. I think that they have a really, if they can get all their guys to show up, I think they have a, a really strong team. Um, I like Team Fernet now that, uh, Jimmer's playing and he, he got some really good guys on his team. And, um, Ohio State. Yeah. Those are my favorite teams. So, um, looking out for the new teams in the tournament. Uh, I always like to see, uh, how the first year teams do because we were a first year team last year and had a great run. So anybody can do that. And uh, looking forward to see those first-year teams. Absolutely. Sean Marshall, the GM of Team Challenge ALS. Before uh, we let you go, Sean, uh, you, you mentioned how you guys are going to go down to training camp for the next week, get ready for TBT. What does that look like? I'm always interested. Like, are you guys just getting that chemistry back? Are you guys going to be, like, drawing up plays and really getting after it? What's training camp going to look like? Uh, for us, it's it's been pretty planned out for a while now. Um we got guys flying in this weekend from out of town, and then we got the local guys coming in. We're going to put everybody up in a house, so kind of build that team bonding. Um, and uh, we're going to start on Monday, go through plays, our defensive schemes, uh, the things that we would look for during the game, different things that might happen. And uh, then we're going to we're also going to do team recovery, uh, cryotherapy, Norman Tech stuff like that. So take care of our bodies. So we'll do that throughout the week, and then we're going to end it with a scrimmage game on. Thursday against a local team uh, with referees. Try to try to get a game under our belt and also use the Elam ending. Oh, that's great. Some uh, some different scenarios with that, and um, that's what we're going to finish. All right, that was Sean Marshall, GM Team Challenge ALS. Sean, uh, I won't be in LA. I'll be down uh, at Richmond, but looking forward if you guys advance to seeing you out in Atlanta.
All right, definitely. Thanks for having me, and uh, looking forward to seeing you as well.